Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Daniel McConnell, political editor of the Irish Examiner, remind us, how many TDs do we have at present? At present, Matt, we have 160, um, and that's down uh, from 166, which was the height. But obviously, um, there was a move during the austerity period to kind of cull back on not only the number of TDs, but the number of ministers and junior ministers, etc. like that. Um, but we know that with our growing population, and there was a census done last year, and we know that there will be a boundary report this year, uh, um, which will obviously give effect to that that increase in population across the country. And that means because of uh, Article 16 of the Constitution, uh, there needs to be one TD for a maximum of 30, every 30,000 citizens, but a minimum of every 20,000 citizens. So because of that increase in population, the numbers in the doll are, are set to go up. Now, we know Dara Bryan, the housing minister, has indicated to his own parliamentary party in recent months that you know it could go up by as many as 14 to 16, um, which would obviously you know be a, a very substantial increase in the number of, of TDs in Leinster House. But if this was to go unfettered, given that constitutional provision and giving our, our rise in population, there is sort of some speculation that, you know, we could see up to 250 TDs by 2050 or, or there thereabouts. Now, we are, to by, by many, or any stretch of the imagination, Matt, we are you know, highly representative in comparison to other countries. For example, in the United Kingdom, there's one MP, there there are 650 MPs in the House of Commons, but there's one MP for every 92,500 people in the UK. So, you know, we've essentially three TDs for every, you know, to every MP on a pro rata basis here. So we are highly represented here in Ireland. So I don't think there would be much public appetite to see the number of TDs grow substantially. So therefore, we've seen these calls for, you know, potentially a change to that constitution or, or whether or not there, there could be a maximum cap put on, on the number of TDs uh, in, in Dáil Éireann. OK. Um, actually, I'm just going to divert for a second because of some breaking news. Uh, Gary Murphy, Bertie Hearn has rejoined Fianna Fáil. Uh, I didn't know that, Matt. And I'm, I'm telling you, that's people. why it's breaking news. That's, that's why I'm <laughs> telling you, Gary. Very well, thanks so much. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he was, um, he was, I suppose, forced out um, in the light of the uh, the report of the Mahan Tribunal now, now nearly a decade ago. Uh, and I think he kind of jumped before he was pushed by the then new leader, uh, Michal Martin, in um, an act of some, I think, political bravery by uh, Michal Martin, just newly in and, you know, having had the crushing defeat of 2011, um, said he had no time for the antics of uh, previous Fianna Fáil uh, politicians uh, who had uh, various uh, issues exposed in both Mahan and, uh, and Moriarty. And, uh, and that was the um, that was the sort of rationale for, for Bertie Hearns, I think, jump more than, than, than push. And he always seemed quite bitter towards uh, Michal Martin, although I think their relationship has warmed recently in light of uh, the troubles with Brexit and the threat, perhaps, to the, uh, to the Good Friday Agreement. And perhaps it's a, um, a sign that he's going to have a run at the presidency. Well done for taking that on the hop so quickly, Gary Murphy. No problem, Matt. <laughs> I have to say this is a story that Hugh O'Connell has broken in independent.ie and it quotes a Fianna Fáil spokesperson as saying, we received a membership application and it was accepted by the party. Apparently he rejoins as a member, an ordinary member in Dublin Central for an annual €20 Euro a year fee and in line with party rules he has no voting rights in his first year of membership. As it happens, and we will get back to the subject of this conversation in a second, Senator Lisa Chambers of Fianna Fáil is also with us. So uh, what's your view on the fact that your former leader, uh, who left in some disgrace, is back? 
Yeah, hi Matt, hi everyone. Um, so yeah, no, he has, he's applied uh, like anybody else to rejoin the party for normal membership. It's 20 euros per year and um, yeah, it's a, it's the same avenue open to everybody else. And but what was, do you think yeah. about it? Is it appropriate, Lisa? Um, it, I think it is. I think look, look, time has passed and, you know, there may have been issues going back a number of years, but he is as entitled as anybody else to apply for membership. It's up to the party's national executive to accept that. They've done so. Um, the process was followed. I don't see any difficulty with it. I think generally the feedback is people are quite happy to see him back in the party as, as an ordinary member. Daniel McConnell, what's your assessment of this? Yeah, I, I think there was a sense of inevitability about this, Matt. I, I mean, um, this came up recently enough uh, when Michal Martin was asked about it. Barry Cowan, I think I, I, I was doing my usual report on a parliamentary party meeting on a Wednesday night and Barry Cowan, I think, raised the prospect of it uh, and Neil Blaney in the context of the forthcoming anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement, the 25th anniversary. Uh, and given Bertie Hearn's, I suppose, pivotal role in that, I think there was obviously some appetite within the party to uh, to allow that happen. Michal Martin was asked about it in Tala, I think, the following morning and, and gave a very positive positive sounding towards it, saying like that, you know, I suppose, you know, Bertie Hearn has served his penance over 10 years, you know, uh, given given the, the troubles with the tribunal, but he has been a pivotal voice uh, in the in the Brexit conversation. I think he has become a, a very respected voice in relation to that, no, not only here, but amongst the unionist community, very importantly, up the north. And it's very clear that the British government reached out to himself and Tony Blair last summer when the things really were mired in, in, in the sand to try and see if there could be any sort of help that they could bring forward to, to unlocking that. Um, and, and certainly we know that Bertie Hearn has been quite active, you know, both in, in terms of his, you know, speaking engagements, but also engaging with the various communities in the north uh, over the last few years. Um, but I, I think in reality, Matt, you know, I mean, Bertie Hearn had to make a, a calculated decision, you know what I mean? His, the progress that he would have seen made on with the economy during the Celtic Tiger years all sort of fell to sunder. And, you know, obviously given his difficulties with the tribunal, Northern Ireland really was the only space in which he could really come out in public and speak with some authority still. And in fairness to him, he does have a pedigree there, notwithstanding his other difficulties. And I think, you know, once Michal Martin had made it clear that, you know, you know the, the bygones were bygones, I think that the past was clear for him. And as I said, it, it comes in advance of that 25th anniversary of the Good Friday Agreement in April. OK, a uh, lot of comments from listeners, a lot of them who have long memories who want to know, did he actually pay by cash or by card his €20 Euro <laughs> fee for rejoining Fianna Fáil? Uh, quite a few people as well suggesting uh, that uh, Mario is going to be the person who's going to be happiest, that there must be a gift grub coming on the back of this. But on a serious note, there are people saying things like, often moved by the party, time passing doesn't change a flawed character. But... Is 10 years outside of the party enough of a punishment for the, well, it wasn't even, you can't even say wrongdoings because there was never any criminal convictions for anything that he actually did. Okay, let's get back to the other um, story which we started with. And I'll go back to you, Professor Gary Murphy from the School of Law and Government in DCU as a regular political commentator on this programme do you think, are we going to have to have a referendum to change those numbers that Daniel McConnell referred to so that we don't end up with way too many TDs? 
Well, I think that's the sort of an inevitable conclusion, Matt, judging by the, uh, the demography, um, kind of demography of destiny, one might say. Now, it does depend if you think 250 TDs is too many. Danny is quite right, of course, in compar- comparing us to, uh, to Britain. But if we compare us to some of the, uh, the Nordic countries, we're not wildly out of kilter if, if we move to in and around 200. For instance, Finland has about 200 uh, members of parliament uh, for a population a little bit more than us. Denmark has 175, so again, a little bit more Sweden has 350 now there's granted a larger uh, population there but all those countries have much stronger local governments uh, than we do and if you look at the comparison uh, with Britain of course there are um, there are parliaments in uh, in Cardiff in Edinburgh and uh, in Belfast for Northern Ireland Wales uh, and Scotland they also have much stronger local governments so I mean one could argue that uh, more representation is you know is not necessarily uh, potentially a bad thing but in the light of this sort of shocking social media abuse that many politicians get and the stories about the difficulty that parties have in recruiting people to stand in local elections. Um, yeah, we, we might certainly have, have to look at it. Well, one option would be to just to delete, uh, to remove that article altogether, 16.2.2, and leave it up to the Oireachtas to decide. Uh, an alternative would be potentially to, you know, put in a, a kind of a, a different article, which would say one to 50,000, let's say. But I, I think this is, uh, yeah, like if there is going to be more representatives, there will have to be a change in the, um, or if, if we if we, if we want less representatives, I should say, there will have to be a change in the Constitution because otherwise there will be a challenge and the Supreme Court will, will, will strike down um, where, we are, where, where we're heading, which is uh, more than one to 30,000. Now, of course, Lisa Chambers, 250 is a long way off. That could be 2050, nearly 30 years away. But as we heard from Daniel there, there could be another 14 or 15 in the next oil. Could this be an opportunity that to be grasped to get more female representation into Doyle Aaron? It could, but you're probably, I, I don't think the increase in doll seats will necessarily correlate with an increase in female representation. Um, although, of course, we would love to see the numbers go up. Um, you know, I think it's, it's quite popular to say, let's get let's have less politicians, less representation. But Gary rightly pointed out that it's about looking at representation in the whole. We're talking about national representatives. Um, we have a very centralised, um, I suppose, method of government and that our local authorities don't have as much powers as other local government authorities do in other countries. And we don't have that many local councillors you know per head of population so we have a different system so it's, it can be difficult actually to draw a comparison with other countries because often you're not comparing like with like what i do think we need to avoid is that every time we have a census which is every four years that we're redrawing constituency boundaries and we're increasing seats and you know for for certain constituencies there's a lot about people because we're chopping bits off here and there and putting putting them into other areas so we try as best we can to respect county boundaries but it's an impossible task to to respect all county boundaries right across the country and still strike that balance of one TD for every twenty to 30,000. So, you know, I think it will be wise to look at, um, you know, a constitutional referendum to maybe increase the numbers in terms of the amount uh, or the, the number of TDs you want per capita, maybe going up to 40, 50 potentially, but that would need to be explored by by, by experts and I think, you know, debated publicly um, to try and avoid that because we know our population is increasing significantly and at a fairly fast pace. I, I'm sorry, the, also Lisa... 16 dates from 1937, so it's... It, it know, could it's also be very interesting, Lisa, as to the sort of urban-rural divide and representation as well, well given that people are gravitating more to the large urban centres and particularly Dublin. 
Well, I'm glad you mentioned that point because we are looking at, we could go anywhere from, I think, 11 extra seats to 21 extra seats. Uh, the minister has indicated it could be somewhere around the 15 mark, but the majority of those additional seats look, to, look set to be in the east of the country with one or two speckled elsewhere. And I would have a genuine concern as somebody in the west of Ireland, in, you know, in, I suppose, the more disadvantaged region, that we will see our representation, um, you know, reduced and, and minimised if you see an increase in seats in the east of the country. And I think it doesn't serve the national interest to do that so it is something we have to look at um, and not you know wait for a problem to arise we should preempt that um, you will have that argument that one part of the country is not properly represented if we keep increasing the seats in just one region so we will have to look at ensuring that there is proper balanced representation and it can't be just an arbitrary cut off x amount of tds per head of capita recognizing that some parts of the country it's not as populated but we still need good representation okay um, well then, then, can i go to gary murphy on that could this be an opportunity to have a far more radical rethink of how and who we elect to Doyle Aaron. Not every country does it the way that we do it. We have proportional representation. Other countries don't. Other countries have list systems as well, whereby, you know, independents aren't allowed to hold governments to ransom because unless you're in part of a party that has, say, for example, 5% of all the votes, you're not allowed to sit in the main parliament. Could we do a radical overhaul? Uh, we, 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 we certainly could, Matt, and, and like without getting too technical about it, we have a very a unique system of PR, PRSTV plus one, um, the single transferable vote, which does stress sort of inter um, and intra-party competition. So, you know, Lisa will, will be fighting with other Fianna Fáil politicians in Mayo uh, for, for, for scarce seats. Um, so, yeah, I, and I think a, a, good, a good initiative recently has been the establishment of the Electoral Commission, which is to look at the county um, or, or the, the, the constituencies, but it all could could look at uh, at our electoral system and uh, and uh, and revisit that. I mean, we have a very one would say we have a, in one way a very good uh, proportion representation system because usually the seats equate to to the percentage of the vote. Not 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 always exactly, but but pretty much there are uh, are there votes. And we have all this coalition bargaining afterwards, which sometimes can hamstrung the formation of government. And well, that's out, I think also one of the dangers about having 250 uh, TDs. It might be very hard to uh, formulate uh, government. But yeah, I, I think it would be a good day's work for the new electoral. Commission if it did uh, examine the electoral system and see if it's giving us uh, the representation we want. I mean, Lisa's right about rural um, urban sort of rebalancing, but the reality is, that, you know, if, if representation is at 1 to 30,000, then you were going to have very small geographical constituencies in, in Dublin in particular, and very large geographical constituencies in the west of Ireland because they have the, uh, the imbalance of people. Well, then, just to finish with you, Daniel McConnell, this idea of a list system of some kind, so that you make sure that you have genuine representation according to gender, according to age, maybe ethnic background? Yeah, I mean, there are pluses and minuses, Matt, to pretty much whatever system you have. Like, I mean, the, the great advantage, I think, people will argue in terms of the PRSTV system is that it's more representative of smaller groups and it's not like the British first past the post system where literally, you know, the Tories and, and the Labour Party dominate. Um, you know, a list system obviously would seek to, you know, kind of mitigate against some of those, you know, the, 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 that dominance or imbalance, particularly on a geographical basis. basis. But, you know, I mean, let's not forget that we have the 40% gender quota kicking in at the next general election, up from 30% 
percent, which will obviously have an impact on 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 the selection of many candidates in in, in the larger parties in particular. And, and and as Gary says, we do have this new electoral commission uh, system kicking in. So I think what we're likely to see more is a tweaking of the existing system in terms of the PRSTV and probably a cap of some form rather than the radical overhaul of, of going to a list system. I just think that might be a bit a bridge too far for too many because I think there are many people who will see the vant the advantage of a list system but particularly the smaller groups um, uh, in, in Dáil Éireann and across who have really valued and, and, and people who genuinely will ba- battle for the last seat or the second last seat in every constituency, they'd be wiped out completely. So I think you know, you, you'd you kick off a very strong debate, Matt, if you were going to move towards okay. the list system. Um, but that may be no harm, you know, given the fact that, you know, you, we, we could argue, as Gary said, you know, PRSTV has served us pretty well, but it's not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. Got to leave it there. Daniel McConnell, political editor of the Irish Examiner Centre, Lisa Chambers of Fianna Fáil and Professor Gary Murphy from the School of Law and Government in DCU. The last word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today and-